legacy means a lot of things to a lot of people. To some, it's lasting integrity. It's building and maintaining a history of greatness. It's making an impact on people and community. For others, it's dependable security and assurance in an uncertain time. To us, it's all of that and more. It's a mindset of brother and sisterhood of hardworking people dedicated to doing the right thing for you and those you care about. Of growing today for a better tomorrow. That's what legacy means at Southwestern Legacy Insurance Group. What does it mean to you? Let's talk legacy. I'm Gary Michaels, host of Let's Talk Legacy. So I'm really excited to have Lee Steinberg as our special guest today. And during his four decades as a sports agent, Lee has represented over 300 professional athletes in football, baseball, basketball, boxing, and Olympic sports. He has represented the number one overall pick in the NFL draft record eight times, as well as 64 other first-round draft picks and 12 future Pro Football Hall of Famers. Steinberg has successfully negotiated over $4 billion in contracts for his clients and is often credited as the real-life inspiration for Tom Cruise's character in the film Jerry Maguire. So I guess I would ask you, first of all, is there any truth to that Jerry Maguire rumor? (laughs) So back in 1993, the writer-director Cameron Crowe called me and asked if he could follow me around to be a fly on the wall to pick up atmosphere for a film that would feature a sports agent. And I had seen a movie made of a book he wrote called Past Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. So I thought it was very funny. So he went to the 93 draft with me where I had Drew Bledsoe as the first pick. He went up to the press conference with Bill Parcells and the Patriots. He came to the league meetings in 93 in Palm Desert to pro scouting day at SC to a series of games, Super Bowl parties. And I told him lots and lots of stories. And then I was technical advisor. So my job was to vet the script to make sure they didn't think the dialogue was stilted or the look was phony. And then he assigned me some of the actors like Chuba Gooding Jr., who I took down to the Super Bowl in Phoenix and made him pretend he was a wide receiver all week. He had to hang with Amani Toomer and Desmond Howard. So it's been 25 years. And every time I go out to dinner or go into an airport, someone runs up and either says four words to me or asks me to say those four words. And they start with, show me the honey. (laughs) Well, it's funny, Gary, because the movie keeps being re-shown somewhere or another almost every day, even though it's been that long. Right. So I grew up loving sports. I'm 56. And back in the day, I went to UC Santa Barbara. And actually, my goal was to be a sports agent. Did you always have an interest in sports as a kid, or how did you get into this this line of business? Well, I grew up in Los Angeles, so I rooted for the Dodgers and the Rams and the Lakers and all the local teams. But I was a dorm counselor while I was going to law school in an undergraduate dorm, and they moved the freshman football team into the dorm, and one of the students on that team was the quarterback, Steve Bartkowski. And in 1975, I'd been out of law school traveling for about a year. And he was selected first pick overall in the draft by the Falcons. And he asked me to represent him. And there really wasn't a field of sports agentry 
that was organized, teams could still hang up the phone and say, we don't deal with agents. And so we got lucky and he got the largest rookie contract in NFL history. But I still wasn't thinking about it as a profession. But my dad raised me with two core values. One, treasure relationships, especially family. And the second was to try to make a meaningful difference in the world and help people who couldn't help themselves. So I was looking for a way to make a positive impact. And I saw that the athletes could be role models and they were the subjects of veneration and idol worship. And they could retrace their roots and go back to the high school, set up a scholarship fund or uh, work with a church or boys and girls club, or they could go back to the university and rebond with those alums and and at the pro level set up a charitable foundation where they could get the leading business figures, political leaders, and community leaders on an advisory board and then execute a program that attacks some basic problems. So it's athletes changing lives. And that's what kept me excited. That touches my heart. And I know that at the Southwestern Family of Companies, serving is such an important thing of what we do. I noticed that you also, am I right on this, that on your floor was not only Steve Bartowski, but Steve Wozniak? So that dorm was stacked with ambitious people. And, and there was a bearded fellow who, his great talent was getting everybody's phones to ring in a way you couldn't stop him. So he was already technically pretty wired. And that, his name was Steve, and that was Steve Wozniak. And he went down and formed Apple Computers. There was another track runner named Brian Maxwell who formed the company Power Bar. Oh, yeah. And so it was a heady crew. So... When you were raised by your parents, were you raised to be absolutely at the top of your game in business? What got you to be so driven? No, as a matter of fact, they never talked about business. Their whole thing was to make a difference in the world. And so that was my motivation. But along the way, I love sports. And so it's been a fun 48 years. 48 years. Wow. When you choose clients to work with, what are some characteristics you're looking for with an athlete? So we try to profile players so that you're getting someone who's a self-starter, someone who's ambitious for second career, someone with a good heart who understands their power as a role model to trigger imitative behavior. And the process is one where generally the player's parents are involved and they're doing a series of interviews. So you're looking for a values match. So you'll be proud of spending your time working with a young man or a young woman, but you're also looking for that quality in them that's going to allow them to have a good work ethic, to be passionate about pursuing their craft, and um, they're going to take it seriously and, and understand that they play in a public entertainment. And so their behavior is going to be scrutinized very heavily. And if I can match up with someone like that, then it's helping them become a role model, preparing them for second career. My job's not done until they're successfully ensconced in the second career. So have you represented um, actors in all different fields or mostly just sports? I represented a series of television and radio anchor people and personalities in local news back in the day. Not currently doing that, but primarily athletes uh, 
I had a huge football practice still do. We have clients like Tua Tango Bailoa with the Dolphins and Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs. Used to have a big baseball practice, basketball, starting that again. Then worked in boxing with Lennox Lewis and Oscar De La Hoya and with Olympic uh, athletes too. So, you know, I'm sure you don't want to share all of your secrets because negotiation is a big part of what you do. But what are some of the key components when you're in a negotiation session with a client and you're negotiating with the professional team or the business? What are some key things that you think about going into that process? Well, Gary, I think the most important skill in life is listening. It's drawing out another human being so that you cut below the surface responses and you get to someone's deepest anxieties and fears and their greatest hopes and dreams. You peel back the layer of the onion so that if you can put your heart in someone else's heart and your head in their head and see the world the way that they see it, you can navigate your way through life gracefully. So it's understanding the company that you're negotiating with, the business, the implications, it's trying to understand the pressures on the other person and craft a win-win scenario where everyone comes away happy. It's a good rule of life. The word integrity, that seems to be a huge part of your life. And it's a huge part of one's legacy. Your first big best-selling book was Winning with Integrity. That was a negotiation primer. I think part of the problem now is that too much in business, people adopt situational ethics. So they have one set of standards for being nice to their family and their neighbors and good to cats and dogs. But now they go out in the workplace and use heinous social Darwin tactics because after all, it's just business in the end justifies the means. And I think when you bifurcate your value system that way, it leads to a type of soul death and it leads to all the excesses in business. So it's um, really, really important, I think, to, to keep an ethical compass and understand what the effect of whatever you're doing is on other people in the larger world. How do you make sure that you don't compromise integrity, though? Because it's so hard in our society today when we get pulled in so many different directions that comment of, I want to take the high road. Well, some people get tired of taking the high road all the time, and that may not even be an integrity. How do you stay in integrity when you're pulled in so many different directions? By understanding that you have one truth and one word, and most of what we do is oral. And so we'll make big deals in sports and announce them and no paper's been signed. So the point is the consequence of being dishonest or the consequence of misleading people is you're going to have to deal with those same people over and over and over again. And for the sake of one deal to destroy your credibility just doesn't make any sense. I'll give you a typical example. So a client calls up and complains that you haven't been responsive to his messages. Well, the temptation in that situation, because there's pressure, is to say, oh, well, I left you a message, <laughs> you know, to say something that placates the situation temporarily. The point is, though, that client can be mad at you because you were not real responsive. But if he knows you've been lying to him, it destroys the relationship forever. So the point is, you know, be kind to your future self. 
do those things that involve dealing with difficult situations as honest way as you can, and don't use shortcuts and tricks ethically to advance that will destroy you in the end. So I'm sure you get asked this question a lot. What's been your biggest success? Taking on a client, being able to get them a deal that was a win-win for both sides. Maybe it was the time it took to do it. Maybe it was the circumstances. What would you say was your biggest success ever? Well, the longest relationship I had was 23 years with Warren Moon. And Warren was an African-American at the point where there was still residual prejudice about the ability of a black quarterback to play the position. It seems crazy now as you think of the vastly talented quarterbacks. And he had to have go to Canada for six years, and he played up there. And then that set the timing up for him to come back into the NFL as a total free agent after six years. And he signed the biggest contract in the history of the NFL for a veteran. But more importantly, he went back and retraced his roots and he set up a scholarship fund at Hamilton High, which we both went to in Los Angeles. He set up a scholarship fund at the University of Washington. He created a program called the Crescent Moon Foundation in which he sent young uh, aspiring uh, college students to college on his scholarships. So he made a profound difference in a number of people's lives. And I would say that when he asked me to present him when he was inducted as the first African-American quarterback in the modern day to be part of the Hall of Fame, that was sort of the ultimate gratification in representing a client. Oh my gosh. Yeah. To be the one that introduces him. Yes. That's huge. So what's changed? What's the biggest thing that's changed in sports agencies in general over the last 40 years? Well, the economics have changed dramatically so that the television revenue has exponentially exploded. New stadia with jumbo scoreboards and luxury suites and naming rights the development of the whole social media platforms, the fact that the currency now and for an athlete is how many followers do you have on Twitter? How many followers do you have on Instagram or TikTok? The advent of fantasy sports and the fact that 40 million people a week play fantasy football and the fact that we're about to see gambling go into uh, stadia and very soon we'll have paramutual betting which you can uh, do in, in the stadium. So it's really hard in any way to remember those initial days in, in 1975 when uh, the two teams that came into the NFL were valued, Seattle and Tampa Bay, at $16.5 million. And today the Dallas Cowboys are at $5 billion. You will also have clients who grow up on social media they're used to multitasking, so it attenuates attention span. So you better get it out quick, Gary. So, you know, we have all sorts of listeners. These people come from all walks of business, all walks of life, mostly business, though. What's the biggest mistake you've made in business that you've learned from that you would recommend to people that they don't make that same mistake? At the beginning of my career, I thought, well, I've represented the first pick in the first round of the draft. So I'll just go out and talk to a whole group of athletes the next year. And I wasn't quite successful. And I realized I had to adjust to be able to profile prospective clients. I would have a better chance 
if it was someone who shared the same value, then I might have a 90% chance of signing them. But if I was just out with players who had no interest in our approach, I might sign 10% or nobody. And so it was adjusting to that market. It was also learning how to keep fixed costs down uh, so profitability stayed high. And the last thing was how to work smarter. Everybody who runs a business thinks that they are the alpha and the omega, that only they can do this task correctly, and that it takes too much time to train someone else to do it. The problem with that approach is uh, you may be the best person to do everything, but you will do everything and have an unlivable life. So it was learning what I was fungible, replaceable, modular for, and what I was irreplaceable for. And it was training other people so that the world accepted them as experts also. And it was trying to build the profile of people around me high so that we could actually expand and represent more clients. Gotcha. Well, I know philanthropy is hugely important to you, and it seems like you carry your values of philanthropy in the clients that you choose, you know, that, that they have big hearts and, and that they want to give back when they have been blessed with, with all the things they have. Tell me a little bit about some of the organizations that you're involved in and about the big event that you do at the Super Bowl every year. So actually, we just held a party with 4,000 of my closest friends at um, Sony Studios, which is the old MGM lot. And uh, one of the things we do is give humanitarian awards, philanthropic uh, awards for figures in football that make a positive impact. And there's so much focus on negativity and athlete misbehavior. So we gave one to Tom Telesco, the general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers, and to Christian Okoye, a retired running back for um, Kansas City, and Rolf Benerska, who was with the old San Diego Chargers and did a program called Kicks for Critters. And we honored the first African-American female coach, Yvette uh, Smith. And so we tried to highlight positive things that people did. We also held a brain health summit to deal with the issue of concussion. I had a crisis of conscience back in the 80s and 90s because I'm representing half the starting quarterbacks and they kept getting hit in the head. And no one had the answer to what the long-term ramifications were or how many were too many and when they should retire. So I started holding conferences to try to bring awareness, prevention, and cure to the consequence of athletic collision. And it's not just football. It can be AYSO soccer, girls who had the ball. And so we've been working on that. We also had an exhibit of some new healing protocols and modalities, uh, which were hyperbaric oxygen, stem cells, a process called light bed. RTMS, which stimulates the brain and can bring back someone who's been concussed. So it's a platform for all those things. And uh, the Super Bowl, if you will, has become a convention of Americana, big business, big politics, big sports, and big uh, entertainment. What do you think it is that's deep in your soul, in your heart, that causes you to have such passion for philanthropy? A real sense of perspective. And the fact that I'm not a starving peasant in Sudan, 
I don't have a last name Steinberg in Nazi Germany in the late 30s. I, I don't have cancer. I'm not sick in any way. And just how amazing it is to have been born into a free country, a democracy with a high standard of living. And the fact I didn't fight in a war, so the least I to protect that, so the least I can do is try to focus and target on people who can't help themselves, who have problems um, that seem unsolvable, uh, and to try to bring our collective energy to heal people and, and heal pain. Absolutely. Well, as you know, this podcast is called Let's Talk Legacy. And what does the word legacy mean to you in general? It means trying to inspire younger people who want to enter the sports profession. And it's not just agentry. They can work for a team, a league, a conference, an athletic department. They can do media, marketing, uh, branding, facilities management, be in a front office. Um, There's so many different ways. So we do an agent academy, which you can find by going to SteinbergSports.com. And we do a sports career grouping. It's that. It's training a new generation with an ethical, principled approach that understand how you can use sports to make a difference. And then in the larger system, it's trying to promote the concept that we're all responsible. We're all our brother or sister's keeper. And my dad used to say to me, when you're waiting for someone to make a change or make a difference in the world and fix a problem, the tendency is to wait until they or them fix it. As minor as picking up a piece of trash from the street or as major as trying to combat climate change. And he'd say, son, if you wait for the amorphous day, older people, political figures to do everything, you could wait forever. And he'd look at me and say, the they is you, son. You are the they. And so I think it's just all of us in our own way. Parenting children well is a major contribution to the world. But each of us in our own way, in our own time, striving to make this a more humane and uh, peaceful world. Do you notice that the athletes that you work with, because you've vetted them and you've chosen do they seem to have legacies that they talk about? Well, for example, Patrick Mahomes has a foundation called 15 and the Mahomes, where he helps uh, children's charities and at-risk kids and makes a major difference in his community. Tua Tango Bailoa went back to his high school in Honolulu and gave a couple hundred thousand dollars to establish a scholarship program. So This next generation still has ideals and focus and are making uh, a real difference. So cool. So cool. Well, how would someone get in touch with you if they want to get into one of your academies, if they have an athlete that might be perfect to be represented by you guys? How would someone reach you? They would find me, Lee, at SteinbergSports.com. But I'm on social media. I tweet. I'm on Facebook. <laughs> I haven't quite gotten to TikTok yet, but I'm on Instagram and all your usual suspects. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time and really appreciate you being on Let's Talk Legacy. 
If you've enjoyed today's podcast and want to learn more, visit us at southwesternlegacy.com. Shoot us an email via our easy contact form to find out how you can become an agent or how we can meet your needs for final expense coverage. You can find this and other episodes at letstalklegacypod.com on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Let's Talk Legacy is a presentation of the Southwestern Legacy Insurance Group, a member of Southwestern Family of Companies.